Hey everyone, Preston Keller here. Welcome to the Rush Student Ministry Podcast. We're so honored that you have tuned in and we cannot wait to share this episode with you. But before we dive into our topic with our guest, we want to make sure that you're connected with us on Instagram and Facebook. Super easy to find, same handle for both. We're found at at Rush Students. So connect with us there. You'll find inspiration. You'll find quotes. You'll find podcast updates and promos and reviews and little clips that you can share with your youth team, with your students, whatever you want. We'd love to connect with you on Instagram and Facebook. Hey, if you're a new podcast user, listener, subscriber, whatever you are, we uh, invite you to leave a rating and review if you're on Apple Podcasts. That actually helps us uh, get further reach into the podcast community and our resources can help more youth pastors. So thank you so much in advance or thank you if you have already left a rating and review. Helps us so much. Okay, now we get to dive into our topic. I'm so excited to share this discussion, this conversation with you. We had Pastor Stan Gleason on and he talked to us, he's about to talk to us about discipleship, an incredible um, topic that's very relevant to us all as believers. Of course, we know it's a great commission, and it's one of Brother Stan Gleason's most passionate topics. He even wrote a book about it, which I invite you right now to check out, Follow to Lead by Stan Gleason. This book will bless you and your youth team uh, for sure, 100% guaranteed. Check it out. It's going to inspire you to reach the lost, to make disciples. And you know what? We're just going to dive into our episode. Let's go ahead and talk to Pastor Stan Gleason about discipleship. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. We're excited to have Pastor Stan Gleason with us for this episode. He's an amazing leader family man and pastor and author, to say the least. He pastors the Life Church in Kansas City, Missouri, alongside his wife, Marlene. And he currently serves as the Assistant General uh, uh, Superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church International. He also just happens to be one of my favorite golf partners. Pastor Stan, welcome to the Rush Student Ministry Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Preston, and it's a great uh, day here in Kansas City, beautiful day. We should be golfing. It's about 82 and low humidity. Oh, man. Uh, but uh, it's an honor to be with you, and we greet all of your listeners in the name of the Lord, and thank you for joining us. But I'm going to surprise you and ask you the first question, Preston. Okay. All right. So here's my question on this interview. Now, now the, the listeners need to know that our families are close. They need to know that your dad is one of my best friends in the world. Your mother is one of my wife's best friends in the world. So, like, we've adopted you and Kristen as our nephew and niece. So, in this podcast, are you going to refer to me as Pastor Gleason, Bishop Gleason, Reverend Gleason, Assistant General Superintendent Gleason, or will you have the guts to refer to me as Uncle Stan? Oh, man. If, if that green light is on in this public uh, <laughs> arena, 
<laughs> My favorite title for you is absolutely Uncle Stan. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, Uncle Stan, um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about one of your favorite topics uh, with our audience. Let's talk discipleship. Yes. So um, if, if you wouldn't mind, just right off the bat for the, the let's go to, to the basics. What, what is discipleship and, and what does it mean uh, to you? Yes. So uh, Jesus, the founder of the church, commanded all of his followers to go make disciples. Hmm. And so he's basically presenting us with the life that he wants us to live, the lifestyle he wants us to live, the method he wants us to employ to fulfill his mission. He didn't say, you know, go and hang your church shingle out somewhere, go and have a big crusade, go and, you know, give away gas cards and groceries and water and all of those Things are great. There's nothing wrong with any of it. We've done it all. We'll do it all. Mm-hmm. But he did say, go make disciples. So this lit, the literal rendering is, as you go. So he's advocating for us a lifestyle of impacting lost people. Matthew eleven nineteen said, Jesus was the friend of publicans and sinners. So Jesus lived his life intentionally. He built relationships with lost people and he turned sinners into friends and friends into disciples. Mm. And so this is our mission. This is what we're called to do. So essentially discipleship is not a, you know, 45 minute class on Sunday morning. Mm. It's, the way we choose to live our lives and obey Jesus. Jesus said in John 15, 14, if you love me, obey me. And certainly we love Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so discipleship is the call to obedience to follow Jesus. Mm. So good. Well, and, and on this topic, you know, we mentioned you're, you're an author. And for our YouTube viewers, we've got your book right here. Oh, come on now. You blessed me right there. Follow to lead. Um, what inspired you to uh, take on this project to, to actually write on this uh, topic of discipleship? In September of 2012, I had been seeking God and praying and my prayers were along the lines of, you know, God, I, I'm tired of programs. I'm tired of creating, you know, these programs that are measured by how many people showed up and not by how many lives were changed. Hmm. And I was tired of pushing, you know, calendar events. This is wearing me out. Hmm. And so I'm praying and, and these words come out of my mouth. You know, I could take you to the place. It was an aha moment. And I prayed. I said, God, I want something organic. I want something that will not be calendar, that will not be unnatural, 
that I don't have to invent and create with my staff and slick market it and promote it and get it out there. And, you know, what does it all amount to at the end of the day? Hmm. And when I said, I want something organic, I felt the Lord speak to me and say, go make disciples. That's literally what I heard. Wow. And I'm like, you know, hello. Yeah. I mean, I've been trying to do that, you know, I think my whole life. Mm. And, and the follow-up comment from God, I felt was, you've got a lot to learn. You've got a lot to learn about my mission. And wow. so that just started me on a journey. And, you know, I'm sure that your listeners are all Bible readers. And one thing that I've discovered in reading the Bible that adds so much value to it is read the Bible with a lens. Don't just read the Bible, hmm. but read the Bible with a lens. In other words, what, what are you interested in? What are you looking for? Hmm. What do you want to study? What are you researching? You know, you could read the Bible through the lens of compassion. You can read the Bible through the lens of leadership. You can read the Bible through the lens of the supernatural, the apostolic, the miraculous. Hmm. But I started reading the Bible through the lens of disciple making. Hmm. And scriptures came alive that let me give you one example um let me read it uh in the holy king james uh hebrews let's see hold on hold on i used to know where hebrews was <laughs> hebrews okay here we go Hebrews 5.12. Okay, I've read this, I, I don't know how many times. I've read the Bible through probably 20 times. So I know I've read it at least 20 times. But Hebrews 5.12. For, for when, for the time, you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Okay, I totally missed that scripture until I started reading it through the lens of disciples and disciple making. So let me let me just reread it. First of all, anytime you see the word teach in the New Testament, in the King James, you have permission to replace it with the words make disciples. Hmm. You will not injure the text at all. Wow. Because the entire New Testament, in fact, I could argue from the back as far as Elijah and Elisha. Uh, the Bible is a book of disciple making. Hmm. And so, uh, so listen to this. Let me, let me give a paraphrase of Hebrews 5.12 through the lens of disciple-making. You've been saved long enough that you should be making disciples. But because you're not making disciples, but you're warming a pew, you're coming to church three times a week, paying your tithes, and singing in the choir, that's quite a paraphrase. But essentially, that's what he's saying. 
Mm. But because you're not making disciples, you're coming to church, but you're not making disciples. Now you have need that someone makes a disciple out of you again and disciple you in the first principles of God's commands. By the way, Jesus said, everything that I've taught you, I command you to go and teach it to everybody else. That's Matthew 28, 18. Uh, And then to finish the paraphrase, but because you're not making disciples, you are reverting back to spiritual infancy Mm. and immaturity. And now you have need that someone just feeds you with milk. You can't even take strong meat. Wow. What the writer of Hebrews said. So you notice how that lens of disciple making is like, whoa. Yeah. You know, this is serious. And the language of disciples and disciple making is consistently through the New Testament if you look for it. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, I I know in your book, um, you tackle the two terms, soul winners and and disciple makers. Uh, Mm -hmm. You talk to our audience about those two, and I know you use the terms microwaves and crockpots and penguins and storks. Can you uh, break that down for us? Man, you just stole all my punchlines. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm impressed that you are well-read, sir. So, um, yeah, when, when most apostolic people read the Great Commission, Go Make Disciples, we put the lens of soul winning. On that, I'm not going to take that away from anybody. I, that's not. Don't misread to what I'm going to say in the next minute of, that I'm against soul winning. But here's the thing: Jesus didn't say go win souls. Hmm. And and when we talk about winning souls, you know that sort of creates a imagery that in 37 years of pastoring, I discovered is intimidating, if not a turnoff, Hmm. to 90%, 95% of the people in our youth groups, in our congregations. Because we've created this imagery of soul winning that you have to be a triple-A personality. You have to never meet a stranger. You have to be a sanguine, you know, you, you have to go out and knock doors. You have to go out on street corners. Uh, and growing up, I could never connect with that. Mm. I, 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 and it didn't, never seemed right to me. You know, I'm, I'm not that person. Mm. You know, I have a guy on our staff. He never meets a stranger. He's prayed through people on the backseat of airplanes. He's prayed him through at Taco Bell in nursing homes. I've never done any of that. He could pray a fire hydrant through the Holy Ghost. I mean, I'm telling you, in five minutes, hydrant speaking in tongues. You know, I don't understand that. I don't relate to that. But, you know, I'm relational. Mm. I love to make friends. I love to build relationships. And so this is what Jesus called us to do. You know, the whole go win souls um, 
you know, Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't uh, embrace or talk about that model. Never. Uh, his model and mission was to make disciples, live your life intentionally. Mm. Uh, a friend of mine buried his father-in-law. His father-in-law was a pastor. Uh, he was Hispanic. And he went to the same donut shop every morning at the same time. Why? Because he loved donuts? No. I mean, yeah, who doesn't like a good donut? But he went to the same donut shop at the same time to meet the same people. Mm. And they said at his funeral, there were 12 families at the funeral who had been born again that he built relationships with out of the donut shop. Mm. That's the difference between a soul winner and a disciple maker. Most, most soul winners don't know what to do with the people that they baptize and pray through the Holy Ghost. They don't have a clue what to do with them. Sure. So that's a piece of reaching the world, but it's not the whole piece because True disciple makers, yes, they baptize. They pray people through to the Holy Ghost, perhaps after months of building a relationship with them. But then they train that disciple to turn around and make disciples. That's the difference. And that's why we haven't reached but 0.03% of the population today. Mm. There are 32 million, according to Talmadge French, the author of Our God is One. He studied Oneness Pentecostalism extensively, took a 10-year research project. Hmm. Now, his book is about 10 years old now, but I contacted him a few months ago. The update is there's 32 million Oneness Pentecostals in the world today. So that's 0.03% of the population. But by the end of the second century, there was 20% of the population that claimed to be Christian. So they were clearly doing something different than we were. Hmm. Yeah. And I think they were, I, I know what they were doing. They were making disciples, but we've been soul winning. Hmm. You know, we, we, we celebrate a thousand that received the Holy Ghost or 5,000, praise God. But who's going home with those people? Hmm. And, uh, and so the main difference is, okay, let me say it this way. Let me think about this. So if one person won a soul today and then won a day for the next year, that would be 365. Mm. But have any of those people quit smoking? Have they quit drinking? Did any of those husbands stop mistreating their wives and children? Mm. It's a broken world. You know, who's training those people? Who's, take, who's taking the journey with those people? Who's sharing their life with those people? Yeah. And, and uh, so at the end of one year, you might have 365 that the soul winner, the AAA personality, you know, prayed through, but, he doesn't have time or she doesn't have time to make disciples out of those people. Now, the magic would be to bring disciple makers alongside you if you don't know how to make disciples. Sure. But compare that to a disciple maker. In one year, maybe one disciple. Mm. 
But if you played that out over 30 years, the, the sole winner has won 10,950 souls. But are they in the church? Are they living for God? Are they, do they have personal spiritual disciplines? You know, we don't know. We have no idea. Right. But if that one disciple maker takes a year to make one disciple, and then the next year, the disciple maker and the disciple each make disciples again that make disciples. Mm-hmm. In 30 years, Preston, are you sitting down? Yes, you're sitting down. Fasten your seatbelt. In 30 years, that's 1 billion people. Wow. With a B. That's the power of compounded interest. And here's the beautiful thing. If 32 million people really, Oneness Apostolic got serious about obeying the Great Commission, including me and you Mm -hmm. and all of us, we literally, mathematically, theoretically, we disciple the entire world's population in in nine years. Wow. Nine years. Man, that's amazing. Wow. Tell, tell us about the, just to cap this uh, illustration off, tell us about the penguins and storks. Oh, yes. Well, uh, a, you know, we, we sort of have this, I guess it was Hans Christian Andersen that um, ostensibly invented the myth of the stork you know where the stork you know this couple wants a baby and so they pray and god you know sends a message to the baby cloud and the storks are the uh the uh, delivery you know the amazon truck that pulls up and you know drops the baby you know at the doorstep and then pecks the doorbell and then flies off and the couple are like (gasps) oh We have a baby on the front step. Well, I guess he invented this to give parents who did not want to talk about the elephant in the room to curious children about where babies come from, you know, this mythical stork, you know, imagery. And I think that sometimes people in the church, oh, look, look at all these babies that God's bringing us. Oh, they just appeared out of nowhere. They just magically... So we, we're not attached to them. We don't have any responsibility. We, you know, we'll pray them through to the Holy Ghost, and then let's go to McDonald's with all of our friends and not even invite the people that just got the Holy Ghost. Mm. So that's sort of the stork mentality. But the, the emperor penguin is much different to stay in the bird family. The, uh, the, the mother penguin gives birth. And then she waddles off to the water to heal and revitalize and to gather food. And she is gone for 64 days. Hmm. And she leaves that egg with her, uh, the father of her little egg. And, you know, you've seen the pictures of 10,000 male emperor penguins on a frozen iceberg or glacier somewhere and they've all got these eggs you know propped up on their feet Mm. and keeping them warm and and uh and so you know that that 
that mother, you know, gives strict instruction, buddy, if I come back and there's a blemish, a bruise, a crack in this egg, you're toast, buddy. <laughs> and so he doesn't, he doesn't eat. He fasts for 64 days. He doesn't waddle up. I mean, he's standing there, you know, with 10,000 other male penguins that are in trouble if any folly happens to their eggs. And, and sure enough, the mothers come back, the chick hatches, she feeds the baby, and together they as parents spend the first 100 days of that chick's life never letting it out of their sight, mm -hmm. teaching it how to, how to gather food, how to survive, you know, how to get along. And I think we need, you know, less storks and more, more penguin. Uh, I'll tell you a quick funny story. So yeah. I'm getting ready to preach to our church on a Saturday morning. I'm going to preach. The next day I'm going to preach penguins, not storks. You know, I'm, I'm a theologian. I keep it deep. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, so I'm going to, that's the title of my sermon. I've already decided. Hmm. So we had a men's prayer breakfast that morning. Saturday morning, and this guy named Matt, he was a new believer at the time, and he asked if he could, <laughs> he asked if he could talk to me in my office after breakfast. So I said, sure. So we come in the office, and we're talking. I don't remember what we were talking about, but he said three times while he was talking to me, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. The Lord spoke to him and said, tell the pastor you need a penguin. <laughs> and I don't have any clue this is going through his mind, and he's arguing with God. He's like, God, I'm not telling the pastor I need a penguin. He's going to think I'm goofy. You know, he's going to think I'm sick. And so, the, so he told me after church on Sunday, he said, Pastor, when you announced your title, Penguins Not Storks, he said, I'm like, I'm like I, I got my hands up in the air. I'm speaking in tongues. <laughs> You know, everybody's looking at him. That's just the title. That's not even the sermon, man. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was just a super uh, fun, super fun, which was a confirmation for him and me. Yeah, yeah. That's so I heard from God about the penguins. Thank you. Yeah, that's so awesome. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So good. Oh, well, let's, uh, let's talk about um, culture for our youth pastors. How, how can we – uh, create a culture of discipleship in our youth groups uh, amongst our students? I'm so proud of that question, and thank you so much. Culture is the key word. Um, Disciple-making is not an event. It's a culture. Mm. And Jesus had that culture. You know, he said in John 14, 12, the things that I'm doing, you're going to do, and greater things. So there's several things that come to mind, but just briefly, um, our students need to understand the difference between ministry and mission. Hmm. So everybody has a ministry. We're all ministers. We all serve. Some, you know, are the anchor of the tenor section, you know, and the youth choir, the praise team. Somebody's a drummer. Somebody folds bulletins on Sunday mornings. Somebody opens doors. Somebody parks cars. Somebody, you know, uh, brings donuts. 
you know, all of these things are important. These things are significant, but it's not the mission. Mm. And our students need to know that they cannot hide behind their ministry and mistake it for their mission. You know, I've been in the church my whole life. I've been in full-time ministry 42 years. I've done everything just about you can think of as far as ministry is concerned. Because ministry comes and goes. It ebbs and flows. Mm. You know, we've all done different things. But the mission never changes. Wow. And the mission is not to fold bulletins and pay your tithes. That's important. But the mission is to go make disciples. Mm. So if if our students understand that, then we need to talk about disciple making. Number one, talk about it, cast vision for it. Number two, as student pastors and youth leaders, we need to model it because students won't do what we say. They will do what they see. Mm. If we are doing it and modeling it, then they will follow if we, if they are our disciples. Thirdly, celebrate. Don't make heroes out of yourselves as leaders, make heroes out of your followers. Hmm. Celebrate your, your disciples success, celebrate the students success. Don't tell your stories all the time. Once in a while. Yes. But tell their stories, Hmm. let them tell their stories. Uh, And I think, you know, probably those three things more than anything, you know, cast the vision, model the behavior you want to see reproduced in your students, and then celebrate their successes and be there, you know, when for their failures and their disappointments. Mm. You know, Jesus sent out the 70 and they came back, you know, all wigged out about devils were subject. And Jesus said, hold on there, boys. You know, he sort of redirected them and Sometimes, you know, we need to call people in and encourage them and redirect them. So Hmm. I would say that would go a long way to creating a culture of disciple making in a student ministry. Uh, It's so, so good. Practical yet powerful. And uh, you mentioned modeling, uh, making disciples. I'm going to I'm going to tee this question up for you. Uh, But as a youth pastor, what would you say to the youth pastor that says, do, do I really need to be making disciples, right? I really don't have time. I'm working a job and all my focus is on our students. Uh, do I need to be out in the community making disciples or can I just lead my students right now? What would you say to that kind of mindset? Well, you know, that sounds good, but nobody gets a pass. Mm. You know, if if you want to ask Jesus if you get a pass for making disciples and fulfilling his mission, what he suffered and bled and died for and wrote a, you know, gave us his word for, then, you know, good luck with that. Mm-hmm. But so nobody gets a pass. So I had a, a, a young 30, young 30 something uh, husband and father at the time he was, um, had his own target store. He was the man of target. Wow. Multi, 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 very, very busy target close to our church. Mm. And he was the guy there. And, uh, he has four children, uh, ranging from 11 to two. 
And so he came up to me one Sunday and he's got a heart for God. He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. And he said, pastor, when am I going to find time to make disciples? I got these four kids. I've got a five acre farmette. I work 70 hours a week, 60, 70 hours a week for target. And I told him the same thing. I just told your listeners is nobody gets a pass, Mm -hmm. but I said, listen to what Jesus said, as you go, make disciples. You don't have to plan an hour of going out and knocking doors. That's who does that. Mm -hmm. That's not natural. Nobody does that. Nobody wants anybody to knock on their door anyway anymore. Nobody does. Yeah. Now, if God tells you to do it, gives you an address, and that does happen. He told Ananias, go to the street called Straight. Mm. I've got somebody there for you. Yeah, by all means do it. But as a lifestyle, no. Mm. But just wherever you are, build relationships with lost people. Yeah. Uh, And I told this guy, I said, your most important disciples eat Cheerios at your table every morning. Mm. And I would say the same to student pastors and youth leaders is make disciples out of your students. Be intentional about that. Mm. Train them to reach lost people. Model it. Take them on the journey with you. Inspire them. When somebody's going to break through, there's going to be a kid in there. We've got a young girl in our church uh, she was raised in a um, apostolic home, homeschooled till she graduated from high school. Her first—I don't want to say freedom, but her first day out at college, she went to college and she prayed. She said, "God, this is my mission field." Mm. She didn't listen to me talk about making disciples, and she's one of nine kids. And this uh, uh, third oldest, the two older brothers are already out of the house. Hmm. And, uh, you know, so she wants to make disciples more out of just her siblings, you know. And so in the next two years, she baptized nine. She baptized at our church, nine disciples out of her college. And some of them are, not all of them, some of them are still living for God. One in particular is really, really thriving and doing well. Wow. And so, yeah, that would be my, my response. As you go. So good. No one, no one gets a pass. No. This is for everyone. Amen. That's so good. Well, thank you so much for, uh, once again, for joining us and, and breaking down this uh, commission and mission of discipleship for us and inspiring our leaders. Um, before we wrap up, any any final thoughts for a, a youth pastor out there, a youth worker? Uh, sometimes we have students listen too, so maybe a high school or a college student. And sure. After that, if you wouldn't mind closing us out in prayer. Sure. Well, thank you, Preston, for uh, your vision to equip and share people that you know with your friends. Mm. And uh and so uh, I celebrate that. And, and thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen. I suppose my, my closing comment would be, um, there's no way you could understand this, but uh, someday if the Lord tarries, when you get to be my age, I'm 63, when you get about 60, you're going to start thinking about your legacy. Mm. You know, have I made a difference? 
What am I leaving behind? What am I taking with me to eternity? And I have to tell you that the only thing we can take with us to heaven is our disciples. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing. And, um, and so I would challenge you today to pray and seek God and say, God, who have you already put in my life? You know, don't make this mystical and magical. You know, I'm going to meet some guy with a red beard and a gray T-shirt and green Converse tennis shoes on the street corner at 2.38 p.m. because it's Acts 2.38 tomorrow. You know, don't make it mystical like that. This is a very practical thing. And so just ask God, Lord, I prayed it this morning. I prayed this morning, God. In fact, I read Acts chapters 26, 27, 28, and I marveled at the Apostle Paul Mm. and the shipwreck and how he stood before these great kings and governors. And and I thought it wouldn't have been possible if Ananias hadn't been directed by God to the street called straight. God wanted Paul, and God chased him down. And God is chasing somebody down right now, and he needs to send you, Ananias into their life. So I want to pray that over you right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Preston and his vision, Lord, to come alongside uh, fellow student pastors and even youth leaders and students that uh, have hearts for you, oh God. Don't let us miss the most significant opportunity we had, we have for significance. And that is, Lord, to make disciples. I pray that you'll give us a desire to uh, seek out sinners at Starbucks, at McDonald's, wherever we are, at the donut shop. Lord, to be watching for the cue cards, the signals. And Lord, I just pray that we will be ready with an answer, that we will be ready with the word, that we will build relationships with lost people. Lord, you've commanded us to do it. You've empowered us to do it. Help us to understand that the Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. It wants to go on a mission every day, every day. And so I just pray that the Holy Spirit, the missionary inside of us, will want to go across the street, across the aisle, uh, even across the world if necessary to make disciples. I pray this for our listeners today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Rush Student Ministry Podcast. We are praying for you and we believe in you. Thank you for all that you are doing for students and for youth ministry. If this episode has helped you, provided insight or encouragement, We encourage you to send this out to your youth pastor friends, text this to your youth team members, and we can all grow together. If you're on Facebook or Instagram, find us at uh, under our handle at Rush Students, and we'd love to connect with you. And once again, if you're on Apple Podcasts, you will help us so much by leaving a rating and review. Hey, we can't wait to hang out with you next time. My name is Preston Keller, and you have been listening to the Rush Student Ministry Podcast.